Most honorable Father, in the blessed name of Jesus, we thank you so much for your goodness, your mercy, Lord. We ask that you be with us as we study your words in the spirit of God to interpret it. We open our minds and our hearts to you, dear Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We thank you for your presence and for your understanding and wisdom that you give us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yeah, now last time we ended up, uh, we were talking about how when Christ returns, the second time that he's going to raise uh, the dead in Christ, and then the living would also be caught up with them in the air. So we're still in that on that topic, uh, paragraph 41.1, raised to oneness with Christ. And it says, a uh, few sentences down, talking about Jesus, he carries on the great process by which believers are made one with him in this present life, to be one with him throughout all eternity. Uh, what are your thoughts on that sentence, how believers are made one with him in the present life to be one with him throughout eternity? Any thoughts on that? Well, Elder Carroll, I think what he's trying to tell us is if we are are, are listening to the Holy Spirit and living, the, living a Christ-like life here, then when we go up there, we're going to be with him, and it's not going to be foreign to us that we're changing. We're either going to be right before we get there, or we're not going to get there. Mm. Amen. Okay. Anyone else thoughts on that statement? I think she said it clearly. <laughs> yeah. What does it say about heaven's a prepared place for who? A prepared people. Prepared people. So we're preparing down here to live eternally up there. In the next paragraph, it says, Christ became one with us in order that we might become one with him in divinity. What do you think that took for Christ to do that? You know, he left glory for us so that we could live in glory with him later. What do you think it took for him to do that? Pure love. What's pure love? It took love for him to do that for us. Okay. Any other comments on that? Also, Elder Curl, it says that we're going to be given uh, perfect bodies, but Christ will always have those nail prints in, in his body even when we get to heaven. I don't know how else you could show love for individuals the way he has shown for us humans. Isn't that amazing? What do you think about his father? His only begotten son, and he had to watch what was done to his son on earth. I don't know as a parent, and I'm, I'm, I'm just saying me as a parent, I don't know if I could have stood seeing my child go through that. But I knew that, you know, with, with God, he doesn't have the same thoughts that we have. And he, he, you know, he knew that he was going to raise his son back up. But me personally, as a parent, I, I was, I got screamish when my little ones was little and they fell down and busted their head or something. And I saw blood. <laughs> yeah, but the Bible says, this is my son, my son of whom I am well pleased. So, and I uh, like what Pessy said, that um, our thoughts are not his thoughts and our ways are not his ways. So sometimes what we value here on earth, um, God the Father doesn't value, but he valued that his son, I mean, it, I think probably 
he felt all the more love for his son, seeing him being compassionate towards people whom did, who did not deserve it, you know. Mm. Yeah, it's a whole lot of love going on there. Uh, if you think of it in earthly terms, it'd be maybe like, um, just say Bill Gates or somebody giving their life and switching places with somebody in the projects. <laughs> but it's a lot more than that because God is offering us eternal life and it says that he has pledged that those who sleep in Jesus, he's going to bring with him from the grave. Does that give you any kind of hope for your loved ones who have passed on before? That is if they gave their heart to the Lord, if they died in Christ, yes. Because mm-hmm. we all hate to see our loved ones pass away, even if they have given their hearts to Christ. But it does give us hope uh, that when he does return, that we'll see them again. And not only will we see them then, but we'll see them eternally in Christ. So it takes some of the sting out of it. And then, in fact, it says, death, where is thy sting afterward? Because death will be passed away at that point. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. That no man comes to me, it comes to the Father, except going through me. Had you ever thought about how specific that is? to eternal life. Christ is saying that he's the only way, right? Mm -hmm. But in this world, how many different ways do people think there are to get to heaven? Just to die that one way. Well, they think there's a lot of different ways through different guides and through different methods. Uh, But Jesus is saying, I'm the only way. No, how would you go about sharing that with some of your friends who don't believe in Christ or who believe in something else or someone else? How would you share that with them? Well, I know a person, I've shared it, and they believe in God, but doesn't believe uh, that Jesus is his son or anything perfect, or I mean, anything that we should be, that's a God. So, I don't know. <laughs> that's interesting. How do you share what? How do you share that I said he's the only way in life, even though other well, people believe there are methods? Well, you know, Elder Carroll, what I do, I go straight to and tell them, say, this, you know, you can read the Bible yourself, because I'm not going to tell them anything. I give them the, 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 what is it? Like, for example, I say Matthew 28, 3. If they can read, and I told him, if you can read it for yourself, because you're not going to listen to me, you're not going to listen to anybody, but read it for yourself. Then I put it back on them. What did you read? Hmm. Uh, I know someone who's very well versed in the Bible. I can point to her all day long, and she'll flip it around and say something else. It's just like she's an atheist, but she believes in God. You know what I'm saying? Be like, okay. Uh, so, like, I'm kind of confused. What do you mean she's an atheist? But she no, she's like she's a one. She's not. She believes in God, but how she speaks, I can show her this. But what? And I don't show her. I didn't give her the Bible verse. I've sent it to her, and she well, that doesn't mean what it means, and this is what it really means. And her, so oh, okay, know. okay. You know, you she'll flip it all the way around. Interesting. 
It's definitely a real blessing and it's a gift from God to be able to study with other people, to study the scriptures, because people, are, we all think differently. And like some of you just said, you might say uh, or read a scripture to someone or they read it and they come up with a whole different meaning about it because only the Holy Spirit is going to give us the proper interpretation of the scriptures. So one of the things we have to do before we even study with someone or before we even try to talk to someone else is ask God's Holy Spirit to touch their heart, to touch our heart, and to lead out and direct where he wants them to go. Uh, because we don't have any power of ourselves to convince anyone. I think we spoke about it in Sabbath school. We don't have any power to do anything. It's only through the power of God will anyone be saved. So whenever you're uh, studying or want to talk to someone about a scriptural topic, make sure that you ask the Holy Spirit to be with you. Make sure that you ask the Holy Spirit to soften your heart and the other person or people to soften their heart because all the talking in the world won't do anything unless the Holy Spirit is there. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the first things we have to do uh, whenever we study with other people. And when you think about it, other people are just as strong in their beliefs as you are in yours. So it might not always be as easy as you think, but with God on your side, he's able to accomplish miracles where we don't think anything can happen, but God is able. Uh, when we're just talking about the our loved ones passing away, you know, if you uh, speak to some people, they'll say, oh, I just want to pass away in my sleep. You know, a nice, peaceful death. That don't always happen, does it? No. There's a lot of people who have suffered painful death. You know, all kind of ways that you can die very painfully, but when they awake to, to this, to the face of Jesus, all the pain is gone. And, you know, many times even our loved ones are suffering with pain and we say, well, now that they passed away, they're, they're no longer suffering pain. And when they awake to see Christ, all the pain is gone. Uh, paragraph 42.2 says, here they stand, the finishing touch of immortality is put upon them and they go up to meet the Lord in the air and he says to them, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of, of the Lord. And that is what we labor for, so that our uh, we ourselves, our family, our friends can all enter into the joy of the Lord, right? We uh, Sometimes when we're asked to get out and hand out literature or study with someone or pray with someone, you know, we think, well, I got stuff to do, or I'm kind of busy today, or I'm, I don't feel like doing it. But when you see, when you see the work that you put out for Christ returning in the uh, saving of another soul, then you're just going to be so happy to see it. People that you didn't even remember that you studied with will come up to you and say, hey, you remember we studied and now look, I'm here in heaven too. Or someone that says, remember, I was struggling and you you took time to pray for me and we were both working hard at the office, but you took aside a few minutes to ask God to bless my family and my friends, etc. You know, it's all going to be, as, as it says, heaven will be cheap enough. Because when we think about our problems on this earth, most of the time they're just small problems, just little irritations. Now, 
granted, there are some big problems that we go through on earth too, but compared to heaven, it's going to be nothing. When we look back at what we've gone through, like that song says, I, how I got over, it's not even going to matter anymore. So continue witnessing, continue praying for others, because that's the reason that we labor for Christ, to see souls saved in his kingdom, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Last week we had talked about, uh, maybe not last week, but maybe the week before where we had asked, has anybody ever been under anesthesia and how you felt <laughs> being under anesthesia and stuff? And on paragraph 43.1, it uh, says that he spoke of those who die as being asleep in an unconscious state. Had you ever thought of death as being unconscious like that? Um, yes, Lee. I remember one time I went to have some dental surgery done mm -hmm. and they gave me anesthesia. And when I woke up, I thought that must be what it's like to die. You just, all thought just ceases and you just, you don't remember anything anymore. You know, you mm -hmm. just go out of existence. Yeah, it's a state of unconsciousness. It's a state of it. You People who are dead are dead, but it's, it's like, a, like a state of unconsciousness. I consider it a deeper sleep than the sleep we usually have. I think every day we're resurrected to a newness of life if we choose to be. Yeah, what'd you say? I said, I think every day we're resurrected from our sleep. Every time we wake up, that's a resurrection to me. Any comments on that? No. We're still alive, though. We're breathing our sleep. In the other sleep, you're not breathing. Right. Because you're resurrected from death in death sleep. You're resurrected from life. We're just resurrected every day. I mean, you're unconscious. If you're sleeping, you don't know what's going on. And if you sleep deep enough, you can't even hear what's going on. So that says that there's levels of consciousness until there's a level where you're not conscious. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, the level where you're not... And there's levels of unconsciousness. Let's put it like that. Now, remember this, too. Any level of unconsciousness while you're still alive, you still have the spark of life that God gives you, the spirit of life. Mm -hmm. But when you're dead, that spirit is gone. That's the huge difference there. There is no life. Uh, the Thessalonians, they had the idea that Christ was coming to take the ones who were alive. So what what did they uh, what were they doing? The Thessalonians on paragraph forty three point two, as you read that, what were they doing? Because they thought Christ was going to come to take those who were alive. What were they doing with the Thessalonians? What was your question again, Lee? The Thessalonians believed that Christ was coming to take those who were alive. So what were they doing with their friends? Trying to make oh, sure they alive. were just trying to make sure that everybody was ready. Well, that everybody would stay alive so that they in Uh-huh. Right. Everybody was ready and everybody would be alive. And then if they died, then they felt hopeless. Right. Their friends died. Right. 
Can anybody keep another person alive? Nope. Artificially, and not keep them for a minute. What? What'd you say? I said artificially, if they fell out. We can do certain things, like I know, in the medical not, community, or if yeah. somebody stops breathing, we can do CPR, that kind of thing. But we're not. That's not really keeping them alive. That's just uh, keeping I mean, I, them from. I, yeah, I understand that. But no, really, they can't. We can't. What about the doctors? I think Karen was mentioning that. Yeah. Doctors keep people alive. Well, see, Sometimes that's artificial keeping them alive because they're keeping them alive on a machine. And to be honest, I, I said, you know, the way God keeps you alive is natural. It's the way he brought you in the world. He breathed into your nostrils. But they have machines that they seem to think is going to keep people alive. If God says that person's breath is going to be taken out of their body, I don't care how many machines you put them on. God's going to, he has the right to take a life because he gave it. Mm-hmm. So what human can't do is provide the breath of life. No, they can't. Yeah, if the breath of life is still in you, they can put you on the machines and help facilitate your breathing and your um, lungs, heartbeat, etc. But like Patsy was saying, as we had read, once the breath of life is out of you, it's only God that can put it back in you. So many times people say, oh, this person was dead for 10 minutes or 30 or 40 minutes and we brought them back. No, you didn't bring them back. God brought them back. If they were truly dead, the breath of life gone, he's the one that put it back in them. So I think, uh, Lakita, you had read a story about the boy that drowned or something. And oh, No, no. Here in St. Louis, in the, uh, there was a story about the guy and some friends that he had fallen in some water. This particular guy into a, um, a frozen pond. They walked out there and it broke on them. So he had remained under the ice and in the frigid water. Uh, for more than 45 minutes. Then they took him to the hospital and there they pronounced him dead. And then his wife came, his mother, his mother came in and said, the mother came in and said, um, let me see my son. And she went in and prayed for him. And he did come back to life. He had been dead for several hours. But no he, brain damage? Um, no, I don't think any brain damage. When I saw him, he was up walking with the doctor, um, but I think it was very close to after he had, after he had uh, been resurrected or came back to life. Mm. But she went in there and she did pray for him, and the doctor said he was dead. He had certified he was dead. Mm. And of course, we read in the in the scriptures where Christ raised people from the dead at his as his uh, resurrection. He raised some people from the dead also. Uh, but the point being that only God can bring put the breath of life back in you once you have actually died. So whatever the doctors do, they're only trying to help facilitate as long as you have the breath of life. But once it's gone, they have nothing to do with, with you coming back to life. That's purely a divine miracle that has occurred. And a lot of people say, uh, you know, you can read stories about people who say they was did and went to heaven and saw white went to hell or, or went to hell. Yeah, you, you know, you can read those type of stories, whatever the case may be. If the person actually was dead, meaning they no longer had the breath of life, only God brought them back. 
Now that, so, and I think, Elder Carroll, that's mm-hmm. one reason why it's hard when you're talking to people about the state of the dead. They are convinced that they talk to their loved ones. And, you know, you kind of have to listen to them and, you know, and, and, and ask the Holy Spirit to direct you, you know, to some passages that will, will let them know that it, it wasn't their dead loved ones. But, you know, I don't really think at a funeral is the time to tell somebody your dead loved one is not in heaven. Because <laughs> between that and then they say, you know, a week later, my mama was talking to me. I said, you know, you almost have to, like you said, let the Holy Spirit work with you so that you don't be so bold to say, how can you believe that when the Bible says such and such? You got to, you know, you got to let the Holy Spirit lead you in a loving way to kind of, you know, ease them into understanding that your loved one is asleep and they don't know nothing about this world. Yeah, now you brought up a good point, as we always say, everything that we do, we should be led by God's Holy Spirit. And each and every day we have to practice literally hearing God's voice and then following it because we might hear his voice, but we don't follow it. So we have to practice following God's voice so that in a situation when he says to us, do this or do that, then we do it. Because if we rely upon our own our own intellect and we say, well, you know what? I don't want to approach him like that. Maybe that's what God wants you to do. Maybe he does want you to say, look, you know, you've been reading about this and you know that's not how it works, you know, whatever. But again, you got to be on tune with God's Holy Spirit so that when he says, do this, you just do it and don't ask questions. Don't try and second guess what God is telling you to do because he knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning, and we don't. The Thessalonians just thought only the living were going to go to heaven, so they was trying to keep people alive and probably feeding people chicken soup and everything they could think of to keep them alive. But uh, the Lord, is he just going to rescue those who are alive? Nope. No, he's going to, he says, as we read, uh, the dead in Christ shall rise first. So those who have died in Christ are going to come up first. Then those who are still alive at that time will be taken. What does it say in um, uh, paragraph 44.1? It talks about Moses and it talks about Elijah. What was significant about what they were talking about there? Who does Moses represent and who does Elijah represent? Moses represents those that uh, uh, will be resurrected from death and Christ's coming. And Elijah represents those who will be translated alive. They'll be alive when Christ comes. Okay. What happened to Moses? Moses buried him. Yeah. Moses disobeyed. Go ahead, Alvin. Oh, what do you mean what happened to Moses? Like he died of old age. (laughs) <laughs> well, Moses, Moses disobeyed God, and he was oh, yeah. he was supposed to speak to the rock, and he struck the rock, and as a result, he could not enter into Canaan land. And so he went up on a mountain with the Lord, and he died there. And then the Lord resurrected him and took him to heaven. 
Okay. But, so, but so. God, but hold on, but God allowed him to oversee Jordan, but he didn't really miss anything because he went to heaven, and heaven is greater than, you know, what he did. Yeah. I, 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 I would agree that heaven is better than the promised land. <laughs> yeah. But you know what, Alvina, he didn't know he was going to see, he was going to go to heaven. He knew that he worked. He was. He knew he was going. He didn't know he was going that quickly. He, he, you're right. He knew that he had worked hard here, on, and this was the goal. This was the prize. This was his, you know, the cream. You know, um, it, it just it top. It was a cherry on the top. You know, and now he was being barred from it. On top of that, you know, he was a humble person, and that guilt, the feeling, because you know that Satan was pressing in on him. You know about when well, you can't go to heaven, you can't go to the promised land because you're not all that. You know how Satan is, and so mm -hmm. he was really suffering. I, I believe that was a suffering time period for him. You know, and um, faith and trusting in God, though, because that's that's very hard. If God, if you say the uh, Lord said, "Okay, leave these five million, six million um, hard-headed people out of out of the." Um, you know, out of out of all the wilderness and into this promised land, and because of them, you got angry and struck that rock. And now, it's all, instead of blaming them, though, you recognize I really wish I would have done better. So he was really suffering, I believe, uh, about that. And that was very loving of God to, you know, he said you're not going to see the promised land, and he didn't finish the statement because he was thinking because I have better for you than that. Mm -hmm. Or being fired from a job. And then got an even better job. Oh yeah, yeah. But being fired doesn't make you feel good because you right. don't know. You That's know? the when you get fired, you mad. You like, Lord, what's going on? Why'd you do me like that after all I did? You know, you angry at everybody. But then you get a better job, and you like, oh, I'm blessed above all. <laughs> you know. So I'm sure Moses felt like, man, I did all that, and I don't get to see the promised land. Yeah. <laughs> but he didn't get to walk in it. But then. Here he is in heaven. Mm -hmm. You know, Lee, Lee that reminds, that mm -hmm. reminds me of when I was fired from a job. But right before I got fired, I knew something was going down that wasn't going to be right. And they kept picking with me and picking. And I asked the Lord, what is actually going on here? And I really, really fasted and prayed. And he said to me, they're not moving you from this job or getting rid of you. I'm moving you to a whole nother place. And once I heard that from the Holy Spirit, I stopped getting upset and angry about what they were doing because God told me, I'm taking you to another place. You've been here too long and it's time to move up. And I ended up going to another place and made $30,000 more. So am I mad that they got rid of me at the old place? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Move on up a little higher, huh? Yep. I bet hey, Moses is still looking at his people like them, hard-headed Israelites. Hmm. After he went to heaven. So Moses died in Christ and then was resurrected to go to heaven. Now what happened with Elijah? How did he die? He did not die. He went what? on to the... No, he was he taken up in the up world. In period. He was taken up in a whirlwind. Chariot fire, a whirlwind. So now who is he representing then? Somebody well, said that something. Be living and translated alive in Christ's return. Yeah. So Moses represents those who die and are resurrected. Elijah is representing 
those who are living when Christ returned. So well, what, the Mount of Transfiguration, it was a, a miniature kingdom of glory situation. Moses representing the risen saints, Elijah representing the translated saints. It's amazing how God has so many symbols in the, in the Bible of things that he's doing. A lot of things he symbolizes here on earth, he is actually doing in heaven, like for a sanctuary example. Well, well what about Enoch? I would just to say, who Enoch represents? Hey, what, do, what do y'all think Enoch represents? Which group? Living. Yeah, living. another case of the living. Believing in the Savior. On the, but I think, you mm-hmm. know, Enoch, the description of Enoch um, walking with God, and then it says, and he was not, you know. Um, so his taking, them taking Enoch, God taking Enoch to heaven, it wasn't an open one where everybody could see. But the translation of, what's his name? Elijah, um, Elijah was open and and people could see that this had, had happened. So maybe that's the difference. Yeah, they were both alive and translated though. But if you're a person, your child or a cousin or whoever is walking and they are not, you better call the police because <laughs> <laughs> it might be a different outcome with that one. Yeah, it's, um, you know, the Bible says that we don't sorrow as those without hope because many times when our loved ones are torn from us by death, and we um, had their funeral, we had their memorial or whatever, and then we had their burial. You know, um, we have hope that we'll see them again as they passed away in Christ. So recognize that they're not gone forever, but we'll meet them again when the Lord shall return. He'll bring them back from the land of death and the land of the enemy uh, so that we can once again see our loved ones. Again, it's always important, we talked about this before, that you want to you want to encourage and you want to pray with and you want to pray for and you want to witness to and encourage your loved ones now. Don't wait till after they die and then say, oh, I'm gonna pray for my dead nephew, it's too late. You know, you need to be talking to people now. We need to be encouraging our family members now so that when they do pass away or we pass away, that we have that hope of seeing them again in the ki- in the kingdom made new, right? So don't uh, don't let don't let the opportunity pass you by. While, as they say, let, give people their flowers while they can smell them. Also, point people to Christ while they can still follow Him. We had a question a couple uh, weeks ago about what happens to little babies when Christ returns and what happens to orphan babies, et cetera, those type of things. Paragraph 45.2, if you look there, it talks a little bit about that. It says, as the little infants come forth immortal from their dusty beds, they immediately wing their way to their mother's arms. So those are the babies with mothers. Says they meet again, never more to part. But many of the little ones have no mother there. We listen in vain for the rapturous song of triumph from the mother. Says the angels receive the motherless infants and conduct them to the tree of life. So there will be some babies restored to their mothers and then there'll be some 
infants whose mothers aren't there. And I would imagine that includes fathers also. But the Lord is taking good care of all those that love him. Any thoughts on the little babies? It sounds very sad, but it's very happy also. So Lee, I was just wondering if, if uh, the baby has no mother there, but the father is there, do you think that the babies will go to the fathers? Yeah, that's why I was saying I believe it covers the fathers too. It's mm -hmm. mothers, because typically we think of mothers and babies, but mm -hmm. if there's father there, he'll be involved too. Because, mm -hmm. you know, fathers love their babies too. Mm -hmm. Can mm -hmm. I make a, a statement as well? Um, it's, it's funny how you guys are reading this. I've been reading about heaven for the last couple of weeks. Didn't even know that you guys was in this book. Uh, praise the Lord. Um, but regardless to the questioning and the statement that's just been made, um, we know that there's going to be, from what we just discovered and discussed, that uh, some infants, you know, will and will not have mothers. Some will and will not have fathers. And then there's a possibility where some have neither, okay? But the Spirit of God, through the writing of Sister White, tells us that we don't want to pretty much dwell on that scene or to speculate in our human minds about that if God has not given us uh, a revelation on it. So my ideal of this is that we can assume through the testimonies and through uh, what we have discovered that those things will take place. But for those infants, because you got believing and unbelieving parents, unbelieving parents who did not uh, teach their kids about Jesus Christ because they rejected him themselves and then and vice versa uh, with, um, with the fathers as well. So I just want to put in perspective, you know, that the infants will have mothers there, will have fathers there, and then there's going to be some that may not have even neither because of some circumstance or some tragic moment, uh, a moment uh, in earth before the second coming of Christ. Amen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, it says right here that the motherless will be conducted with angels. Yeah, we discussed that. I agree with that. Okay. Now, and, um, also remember, too, if we go to 45.4. Families and friends reunited. The, the living righteous are changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. At the voice of God, they were glorified. Now they're made immortal. And with the risen saints are caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Angels gather his elect from four winds, meaning all around the world, from one end of heaven to the other. Little children are born by holy angels to their mother's arms. Friends long separated by death are united never more to part, and with songs of gladness ascend together to the city of God. It's going to really be a blessing to see some of the folks that we grew up with, maybe, or 
some of the folks we were attended Camp Shady Hill with or uh, some youth, uh, Adventist youth uh, seminars and conferences or people that we met along our Christian walk to actually see those people in heaven, you know? It's like if you go to just say Oakwood alumni weekend and here you see somebody that you haven't seen in 10 or 20 years, think how happy you are to see them. Imagine that when you see them in heaven. If you see people you haven't seen in decades, now you see them in heaven. That'd be a joyous occasion, won't it? Just gonna be really nice to see people that you didn't think you'd ever see again. Uh, That's interestingly, cause I was just thinking about Elder Brown and you mm. know, along with seeing Jesus and of course seeing my family, I wanna see Elder Brown in heaven. Amen. You know? Yeah. Can can I ask a question? Mm-hmm. My, my question would be is, uh, I mean, I know the answer to the question. I'm just giving food for thought to the class. Uh, when the Bible tells us, and even our uh, prophetess tells us, you know, that we're going to be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye, you know. Now, I'm asking this question due to speculation of what the world teaches outside of our denomination. So I want you guys to get that so we may uh, converse about this so we can be sure of what we teach and what we believe. And that is when it is stated, we're gonna be, a, we're gonna be changed in a moment and of a twinkling of an eye, you know, or our bodies, I mean, what does that entail? So our body's gonna be changed, will our mindset be changed? Um, and then again, we said that Elijah and, and Enoch was translated. So what change was need to be made? Hey, anyone having thoughts on that? Well, the Bible says that this um, mortality should put on, put on immortality so that we know that we will be able or have the ability to be immortal, that we know that's going to happen. Amen. Anyone else? Anybody else? We- I think that change is going to be physically, mentally, et cetera, because if we're going to be in the presence of Jesus and God, we have to be changed so that when we see him coming, as he comes closer out of that sky, we've got to be able to put, like she said, on that, 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 that coat of armor that we don't look to Christ and be because his brightness, you think about back in Elijah in them days, if you went in there, you weren't a priest, and you went in there before Christ, you won't be struck dead. Okay, let me, let me, let me, let me interject here because I don't want us to get off too far off of, of the scene of what we're trying to discuss here, okay? Because I, I think you trying to combine uh, what we teach on one category with another, and there's nothing wrong with that, but we want to stay on the course to be in accuracy. Uh, Sister Curl, she hits that on the, on the head when she says, the mortal must put on immortality. Remember, if we're going to have bodies like Christ, we have to look to where Christ is now in the heavenly sanctuary. He's an immortal, right? I hope you guys believe that. 
In other words, Christ can't die again as a human. He's not in human form. So, of course, so we're going to put on immortality. Now, the next thing we want to uh, learn from when it says we're going to be changed in a moment of twin twinkling of an eye, we know about our characters for those who study well. You know, the Bible says in, in Revelations that when Jesus pronounced and when the Holy Spirit say, hey, those who are righteous still, those who are holy still, those who are filthy still, those who are unclean still, and I'm just paraphrasing it for you get the understanding, they're going to raise up in the same state of their character and their mindset. So when the Bible is indicating about being changed in a moment of twinkling of an eye. It's saying that, you know, we're gonna be in our eternal state forever. And it would not be with any deformities or any deficiencies at all, because if we suppose to have the same celestial body that's the Bible in Second Corinthians presume, like Christ's body, then we know that we're gonna be taking on a certain form, which is gonna be immortal. It won't be without any disease. It won't have any uh, thing of the tearing and things of that nature or what the Bible speaks of that will be cast away. So when Christ come back, let's get this straight. We will take on a glorious body for eternal with the character that we're going to be raised from our graves with before we left. or everybody straight on that? Yeah, are we in agreement on that? If there is any doubt. Yes. We will look like Christ at the moment of our death and be raised from mortal to immortal, but we will still look like Christ. Yes. Okay. That's part. So we're in agreement on that. So that's part one. Let me get to the next section. I'm going to give me about 30 seconds and I'm going to end this thing. So we got that part. Now, the second thing that uh, I believe the Holy Spirit will want us to learn is this, because a lot of churches teach something totally different. And you guys know this. Some people believe that we're going to be these spirit, just spirits, uh, you know, just be floating out in space and, and doing all what we want to do. And, and God commands us and, and, and all that sort of thing. And those things are not true. When we look at the resurrection of Christ, Christ rose, number one, back in human form, but he rose with all power. And when Mary saw him and he asked her, look, don't you touch me because I haven't even descended to my father yet. In other words, you're not gonna be the first person in, in, to embrace me. I gotta go see my father. And that's a whole nother story. But when Christ rose, now listen, when we rise from our dusty graves too, we're going to rise the same way Christ rose with the same thing that Christ rose with. That means that that would not, <clears throat> because remember in the Bible says, and I say all that, he says, look, uh, from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh will come and worship before me. A lot of people don't think that we're going to be in a physical, fleshly body. They think it's going to be something spiritual. And and, I, and that's a whole other denominate uh, uh, of that. But they believe that we're going to be the spirits, not spiritual beings, but spirit beings. Like when you die, your spirit goes back to God, which is the real you. 
and then your flesh is just crucified in earth. I didn't, I didn't hurt this foolishness at funerals too many times, and I had to correct it myself. They believe that, you know, so whatever this spirit that goes back up to God, which is the real you, and this is what we just have now is this outer shell. Well, that's the thing that's going to live forever. And if that's the case, then what is Christ coming back for if the real you in the spirit have died and went back to heaven? And what is this transformation of what Christ is talking about? See, y'all didn't know y'all was going to get into a deep discussion, did you? (laughs) (laughs) We didn't know, but we... But we actually had talked about that a couple of weeks ago, too, about okay. uh, this mortal body that we have with all the defects and injuries and uh, crippledness and illness and viruses, et cetera. That's going to all be taken away and we'll have that perfect body that God intended us to have in the beginning. And also that our characters will be the type of characters that others can recognize us. It's not going to be a. Uh, spirit, like you were saying, it's not going to be a something you can't touch. Just like when Christ came back to the disciples and, and Thomas, he said, go ahead and touch me. I feel just like you feel. Exactly. So those type of bodies just will be perfect physically, uh, perfect spiritually. In fact, on our paragraph, we're at 45.4, it says, at the voice of God, they were glorified, mm-hmm. meaning made perfect. Now they're made immortal so that you can't die. However, what we had read in also one of the other writings is that we have we are made immortal, but we're still going to have to eat from the tree of life to maintain that. Only so is it, is, it, is, is, it, is it clear that we can uh, say that we're going to be going back to the beginning like Adam himself from the beginning before the fall? Yeah. Yes, because um, Adam and Eve had the Shekinah glory, which disappeared, was taken from them, removed from them when Adam sinned or when Eve too. But part of that Shekinah glory was the ability to form righteousness in and of ourselves, which we cannot not do right now, but we will be restored to that. Amen. I agree with that. Uh, I've heard in, an, in another denominational church where people have uh, not study, and of course they don't have the you know the revelations that we have as a denomination. I'm bringing this forward because of this reason, because there's other uh, ministers who are deceived by Satan or teaching otherwise, where they saying that you won't be recognized and and that kind of thing, and God will have to reveal to the redeem who everybody is because of the transformation of being changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. And I just said to myself, Lord, have mercy uh, that people are teaching the nonsense. And, you know, we can't judge our brothers because we just have to educate them as God have educated us. But uh, I had to write in to the brother and hopefully I get a response um, uh, about that whole situation because even in our the prophet even tells us that we will be able to recognize our families and friends and loved ones. Yeah, I think it was earlier in the chapter two we talked about how we'll be able to recognize our friends and family as well as recognize Jesus too. We'll be able to recognize people for who they are, people recognize your voice, etc. 
Um, there is a lot of error out there, no doubt about it. But as we always say, continue to study so that you can be approved, rightly dividing the word of truth, and then also sharing that word of truth with others who may not have uh, grasped hold of it as God would want them. One of the things that we talked about also in, in Sabbath school is spiritual things are spiritually discerned. And if a person is not a, you know, a spiritual mindset, they're not going to pick it up. But if you do accept the Holy Spirit's leading and, and have a spiritual mindset, the Lord opens things up to you. Even people who are at present, uh, at present believing things that are not true, as long as they have the desire to find the truth, the Lord says, you will know the truth. Uh, if when you seek me and find me, you'll find me with when you seek me with all your heart. So even people who are right now in error, if they truly want to know the truth, God has said, I will show you the truth if you truly want to know it. So let's never get on witnessing and evangelizing to those know, we love. Karen, um, what did you say about generating, generating righteousness? We'll be able to do that of ourselves. Yes, because before the fall, Adam and Eve had the ability to form righteousness in and of themselves instead of like now where we have to get our righteousness from Christ. Um, so where, is that where you have a reference. Yeah, I, I can get that for you. Uh, Andre wanted to say something. Lee, I was just thinking mm -hmm. you, made, you made mention of spiritual things. I had a conversation earlier this week. Somebody called me and asked me about tithing offering, I don't want to get away off, but they were giving, giving some advice, listening to a comedian. And I had to explain to them, <laughs> if, if you want to, if you want the truth, first of all, let's not listen to comedians to tell you whether you should return tithing offering or his aspect on tithing offering, which is a spiritual thing. You need to get that from the word of God, not from not from some comedian that don't that feels like people are, are stealing our money or running away or whatever, but they're <laughs> tithing offering. You should never get spiritual things from a comedian worldly. They, they, or, worldly. Or, or, or from worldly people, period. You know, people that are studying the word of God or read it for yourself. But let's not uh, uh, put, put so much weight on a comedian and him trying to explain the Bible. <laughs> Well, you bring up a good point, Andre. I want to add to it by saying, no matter who's speaking, always read it for yourself. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, let's go to this next paragraph. It talks about the wicked unsuccessfully attempting to hide from Jesus. The wicked pray to be covered by the rocks of the mountains rather than meet the face of him whom they have despised and rejected. And we also uh, read, too, in the scriptures, even those that pierced him will see Jesus coming in power and glory. So it says those who derided Jesus claim to be the son of God are speechless now. And then it talks about some of the people who are there to witness his second coming. Who are who are some of those people that will be there? Um, it says the very man who placed upon his form the purple robe. Uh, mm -hmm. Those that jeered and haughtily and mocked his royal title, um, the mocking soldiers crowned him king with the crown of thorns, uh, the men who smote him and spit upon him, um, and the one who 
drove the nails through his hands and his feet and the soldier who pierced his side. Yeah. Also the priests and rulers. Right. The priests and rulers. Basically, every evil person throughout the ages is going to see Christ returning, just as all the uh, righteous throughout all the ages will see him returning. Because he says, everyone is going to see it. And we had talked about last a few times ago how we don't know how he's going to do it. You know, the secret things belong to God, but somehow everybody's going to see Jesus return. And he says, every eye. Return. Yeah, some people are going to be trying to hide, but you can't hide from God. He even says if you if you go to a top of a mountain, God is there. If you go to the bottom of the valley or the ocean, God is still there. You cannot hide from God. So it's always funny to me how people people used to see the pastor coming down the street and they stop smoking dope and drinking and hide it behind their back. He's not the one you need to be trying to worry about you know he can't do nothing to you because you cannot hide from God even if we are even if we think we can hide our personal private sins from others you can't hide it from God not at all so these people who derided him and pierced him and hit him and drove the nails through his feet or or used his name in vain or bowed down to idols or whatever everybody's going to see him when he returns Every eye shall see him. And there's no way that people are going to hide from God and say, let the rocks fall on us. It's not going to happen. And then it says uh, on 47.1, a loud cry, louder than the shout, crucify him, crucify him, which rang through Jerusalem. There comes an awful despairing wail. He is the son of God. He is the true Messiah. People recognizing that they have made a huge mistake, but it's all in vain because now it's too late. That would be a sad day for some people, but a glorious, happy day for the redeemed of God. Amen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting is that we knew the Savior had to come, well, had to die for us in order to save us. And we knew that there would be people that we know that there were people that Satan had to use in order to accomplish that. So we know Christ had to die, but it's just that they always say it didn't have to be you that contributed to it, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. This uh, We'll do this last paragraph and then we'll uh, end for today. But it says the redeemed take seven days traveling to heaven. Is heaven that far away that it takes seven days? Any thoughts? Well, it might be, but it doesn't have yeah. to be with the Lord. It's going to take seven days. Yeah, it might be, but you know, I think that if the Lord wanted God to can't make a shorter it come time, quicker. it would be, but he's going to be teaching those that didn't know about the Sabbath, about the Sabbath on the way, so you know, maybe that's a that's a perfect, seven represents a perfect number, so you know, it's the perfect amount of time to teach those that didn't know about the Sabbath about it whether it's a literal seven days or not. Yeah, it, it uh, obviously doesn't take seven days by God's speed. What would happen if uh, if uh, you prayed and it took God seven days to get to, get to you in an emergency? You know, you'd never make it. Mm -hmm. He knows our prayers before we even ask them. But just suppose every time a prayer went up, 
it took seven days. Suppose you right in the middle of a car wreck, head on going off the edge of a cliff, and you pray and ask God to save you, you, you're not going to make it if it takes him seven days, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't take him seven days. He's choosing to allow seven days for whatever purposes he has. It says we all entered the cloud together, speaking about the cloud that Christ comes back on, the, the small cloud the size of a man's hand, which ends up becoming a bright, shining cloud of angels. We were all in that angelic cloud together and were seven days ascending to the sea of glass says here on the sea of glass, the 144,000 stood in a perfect square. Is that all that's going to be in heaven, 144,000 people? No. Mm-mm. It's going to be a number that no man can number standing on the sea of glass. Right. And we've studied a little bit on the 144,000. Uh, anyone have a comment on that? I know some people still dispute it, but I think it kind of... Uh, Say, uh, explains itself when you read about it. Those are those who have a song that no man can sing. Um, these are those who have gone through the time of trouble with the Lord and lived through it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Resurrected is the, uh, the living resurrected. Would that be true? Mm-hmm. Well, from what I from what I read in the Spirit of Prophecy, it, it's the hundred forty four thousand are those that withstood the time of trouble. They came through the time of trouble. Yeah, that's what yeah. I said. I don't right. know if you heard her. Yeah, I heard her <laughs> say that. Mm-hmm. She she asked about anybody being resurrected, but based on you know the fact that they 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 stood through the time of trouble, I mean that just tells me they're alive. They are they're the ones they'll be translated. Yeah, that's what right I meant, now. Karen. Those okay. are living when the Lord was Okay. Yeah. That's just a little number of people. You have all these millions and millions of people on earth. But I guess right. A couple more pandemics like this one, you know, we might get get there really fast. However, the Lord does it; He knows what He's doing. Um, some of these, some of the people had very bright crowns, and others not so bright. Why were some people's crowns bright and heavy with stars, and had a few stars but not so bright? Because each star represents a soul that they gained for heaven. Okay. So some people have through God's help, obviously, mm-hmm. and many people to Christ, and some have led a few to Christ, but it says everybody's happy, <laughs> perfectly satisfied with their crown. So whether you've been instrumental in leading one person to Christ or a trillion, you're going to be happy, first of all, to be there. Secondly, happy with your crown, which says that you have been a witness for Christ. Uh, then it goes on to say the angels we're all around us as we marched over the sea of glass to the gate of the city. Jesus raised his mighty glorious arm and laid hold of the pearly gate, swung it back on his glittering hinges and said to us, you have washed your robes in my blood, stood stiffly for my truth, enter in. And we all marched in and felt that we had a perfect right in the city. Won't that be a glorious time? That's going to be so amazing. I want to be there. How about you? Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. So uh, next time, uh, next time that we meet on this book, Heaven, will still be chapter five, but we'll start at paragraph 48.1. And then we'll be able to end up from there, paragraph 48.1 in a couple of weeks. Karen, which book? Elder Carol, uh, Elder Carol, remember some of us don't have that point. So are you going to start oh, on Jesus? Okay. Welcome. 
Yeah, right. what's the title? Jesus Welcomes the Redeemed to the New Jerusalem. Okay, thank you. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. Uh, Karen, yeah. what okay. are we next week? Uh, we're studying Testimonies for the Church, Volume 1, Chapter 79, next week. Okay, Chapter 79. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's close out our live stream, and then we can uh, ask for a special prayer request afterward. Okay. Uh, a quick prayer here before as we close out live. Lord, we thank you for your blessed word. We thank you for your, your prophet. We thank you for your Holy Spirit's encouragement and enlightenment. We thank you, dear Lord, for a desire to learn more of you, for a willingness to be open to your Holy Spirit's leading and guidance. Bless us, dear Lord, to be ready when you return. Forgive us of our sins and shortcoming, and bless us to be blessings to others. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Okay, Amen. Just, a, just a quick note. I'm going to have to reboot this other computer. So if we go completely offline, then you just have to get your prayer requests in later. Okay. <laughs> she's cutting off the live stream now. So uh, while she's doing that, Does everybody have a blessed Sabbath day. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's all good. And of course, we went through a lot of things this week in the news. Yeah, we uh, earlier at some point today, even the pastor had mentioned it during his service sermon also. Uh, a lot going on in the world. Again, as we study prophecy, it doesn't shock us. It doesn't scare us, but it just makes us aware that what God said will happen is occurring and is going to happen just as he said. So let's continue to trust in the Lord, continue to believe in his prophets so that we may be established and so that we can tell others, we don't want to just hear the good news and keep it to ourselves. We want to hear the good news, study and read the good news, and then share it with those whom we want to see in heaven as well, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Hold on a minute, Lee, because we're still live and for some reason it didn't shut off. You know, you had uh, somehow clicked me over to being the host. Do you want me to stop it? Karen? <laughs>